great. <laughs> oh, well, that was perfect. <laughs> AT, we're going off mute. Great, man. <laughs> Sick production skills. <laughs> right. So you Sick heard us talk during the Sick commentary. <laughs> Sick to, to, talking during the intro. It's like, it's like Dave Evans. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Super Bowl AT. It's week two, first of all. Welcome to the show. But the Super Bowl this past Sunday might have been the greatest game I've ever seen in my life for obvious and very biased reasons. That was incredible. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings with my son, and I thought I was going to have to push him through a very tough lesson in watching your beloved team lose and get not only lose, but get murdered on the biggest stage in sports. And I told myself, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. We're not leaving. And at the beginning of the game, there's so many Atlanta Falcons fans in this place. And just because of Matt Ryan and, and being in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania in that case, you would expect to be packed with people from Georgia. <laughs> so I was, you know, I told him, I said, look, um, you know, Lucas, you're not, we're not leaving. And two, <laughs> he started to get a little bummed out. Just not, not necessarily that we weren't leaving that, that the Patriots are playing so poorly. And I said, look, Lucas, you're going to remember this for the rest of your life. When, you know, you remembered, you know, going through the tough times with your, your favorite team. And I said, but look, in the end, Lucas, if there is one guy, this is at halftime. Yep. If there's one guy that can do it, it's Tom Brady. And the beginning of the third quarter, the Falcons immediately go down and score a touchdown. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, we're going to wait till the fourth quarter, and if it gets really bad, we'll go home. And then at the very end of the third quarter, they score that touchdown, and I was like, hey, look, we'll give the fourth quarter a try, right? Tom Brady's the man. He's going to do it, potentially. And sure enough, it happened. Incredible. Dude, you know, you know what it's like? It's almost like <laughs> Tom Brady's such a sicko that it's almost like he sandbagged his team. Like, like, like he said to his friends from high school, watch what I do in the first two and a half quarters in this game. I'm going to get us in the biggest hole. And everybody's going to be like, oh, Patriots are done. Patriots are done. Like, watch this. And then he gets <laughs> all the way to the brink. And then he comes all the way back and breaks their heart. And they win it over time. And he's just belly laughing. that he was in total control the whole time. And right. when, he's, when his hands, you know, are on his face and his head is down in the second quarter, he's, he's not crying. He's actually hiding his laughter because he knows what's coming, but he's the only one on the planet that actually does. It's he's so that true. much in control. What a sicko. He I mean, is. He is. God, he's got to be happy he wasn't playing Eli and the Giants. I'll tell you, but what a win. Congrats. <laughs> that was it. A great life lesson for Lucas and the other, you know, 4 billion people on the planet, if that's the number. I mean, unreal. That guy does. <laughs> uh, he pretty much cemented himself as the greatest of all time. Yeah. And, uh, yes. but, uh, that's, that's, that was pretty awesome that my son actually got to witness that as well. And I got to see him go through the whole emotional, holy crap. I can't believe this is what sports does. Sports right. does this. Uh, but, uh, AT, we're moving on. How did we do this week? Give us the rundown. Uh, we did great. 
uh, or I did great. Yeah, nice call. You did like a C plus. Ew. Um, I did like an A minus. Wow. But listen, a C plus in the Towers household growing up, Ryan, went on the refrigerator. Okay. So don't say ooh so fast. Right. Uh, so in short, real quickly, uh, we went on five games with Las Vegas lines last week. Uh, Lax, Lax first, Vegas. Lax, Lax Vegas. Vegas lines. I'm sorry. Lax Vegas lines last week. The first game we did was Cleveland State, Michigan. Um, you picked Cleveland State in the under. I picked Michigan in the over. Uh, it ended up being Cleveland State covering 12 and a half goals. So uh, you won that. You were wrong with the under. I was right with the over. So we both finished one and one after that game. The second game was BU. We both picked BU and we both picked the under. BU did not cover three and a half, winning only in overtime versus PC. Uh, but it was the under. So we were two and two apiece after that game. The next game was Penn State. Robert Morris, Penn State, was favored by eight and a half goals. They did not cover. You picked Penn State. I picked Robert Morris. Mm-hmm. We both picked the over. You were three and three. After three, I was four and two. Uh, the next game we picked was Carolina. Carolina was eight and a half point favorites over UMBC. Carolina. Oh covers we both picked carolina we both picked the over we were both right that left you five and three that left me six and two and the final game for lax vegas lines was duke favored by five they lost outright to air force i called it uh we both had the over so uh you finished at six and four last week and i finished at eight and two so i have wow. the title week one going into two congratulations at um that is that is very eight and two. So you went eight and ten in total yeah, picks. I was only wrong on Michigan and BU. I hit all the over unders, and I was correct on Robert Morris, Carolina, and Air Force. That's pretty. Uh, that's well done. Very yeah. very well done. Um, so the next piece is we have to, as always, each week give uh, the IYF the most insignificant award of all time, but it's still fairly significant. Uh, the Coaches and Players of the Week Award. A.T., give me your Coach of the Week. Uh, not a lot of games, but this was clearly the win of the weekend. And for the second time in two years, Eric Saramet That's right. takes the Falcons down to Durham, and they knock off Duke for the second year in a row. Uh, so Eric Saramit is my coach of the week and my player of the week right there along with them, freshman goaltender, Paxton Boyer. Yes. 14 saves, 10 goals allowed stepping in as a freshman. You and I referenced the graduation of Doug Gucho being, uh, a question mark for air force coming into this game. And That's right. Uh, sure enough, Paxton Boyer stepped up and filled the void uh, very, very well and led that team to a one-goal win. He was the difference in the game, you know, he, let's face it. So uh, Eric Saramet and Paxton Boyer, both from Air Force, Coach of the Week and Player of the Week. Who'd you have? Uh, my uh, Players of the Week actually is more than one, and it's kind of a trio of players at the Penn State College Park, or no, excuse me, State College uh, School 
Gerard Arcieri, 66% at the faceoff X. We mentioned him as someone that will come into Division One lacrosse, making an immediate impact, and he did just that. Um, and I only think he's going to get better. He took 32 faceoffs. That's like 32 fights. But didn't, um, didn't he win the first draw and go right down and stop? Eight seconds in and pounded it home for the first ever goal for of his career, eight seconds into his Division One career. That's wow, that makes, us, that makes us look really <laughs> smart. Thanks, Gerard. You're all right, kid. Mac O'Keefe, who we also mentioned as potentially making yeah. an impact uh, for the Lions, he goes in he and did. pumps in seven goals. <clears throat> so we were correct there. Uh, and then this one we didn't see, but we did mention as a piece to the Nittany Lions that was important, which was goaltending. Uh, we did not peg Colby as coming in as a player to uh, potentially make an impact right away. We thought it was going to be Will Schreiner, but Colby Nice coming in in the second quarter, uh, going 62% uh, for the rest of the game kind of makes you feel like that might cement him as the starter for the future. Uh, again, he's just a freshman in net. It's probably one of the hardest places uh, to put a freshman in is in goal. Um, but it seems like Penn State has a future in Colby Nice. So my players of the week are Gerard Arcieri, Mac O'Keefe, and Colby Nice, who single-handedly led the Nittany Lions over a very scary Robert Morris team. Wow, I can't believe it. So we've got four freshmen. That's right. Players of the week. IYF Players of the Week. I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think uh, that's ever happened either. Great. Uh, And my Coach of the Week is Frank Federaca. And Frank, going down 11-6 at one point in the third quarter, comes back to win a one-goal game against a very tough Delaware team that we both mentioned is going to be a different team in 2017, uh, largely due to the culture that they've built, the players that they've brought in. But in addition to the chip on their shoulder, I guess that their head coach for 42 years is going to retire. Um, I feel like all of that together might make Delaware a very strong consideration for a CAA uh, championship so uh, I have Frank Federacher going in and doing what seemingly he does all the time, which is yep. being calm, cool, collected, down 11-6. No problem. We've got this. Let's Tom Brady it, and let's win it. The guy, no, he just doesn't get enough credit. Frank Federacher never gets enough credit. Him and Mike Corrado, those are the two guys, I think, that simply just get it done year after year after year after year after year, and yet we're never talking about those guys as – the next head coach at Duke or the next head coach at Virginia. I just don't, right. I don't get, I don't get why I don't get why, but listen, it's to the, uh, to the benefit of Villanova and Bucknell. That's right. So, so well, like well, let's take a quick break here. Give our friends from Sisu mouth guards a little bit of a plug yes, and Sisu. we will trans uh, transition into our games for today's podcast, which are Hopkins, Navy, Duke, High Point, Nova, and Mammoth. We'll be right back. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu, talk, breathe, drink. 
All right, we're back, and we've got three games to cover. First game up, Hopkins-Navy, a huge Tuesday night tilt, that is tonight. Um, we can actually make a pick on this too, AT, since we won't be able to make a pick later on in that week. I think Lax Vegas Lines came out with a line of two and a half, and that's a favor of Johns Hopkins. And I believe the over-under is 21 and a half. I'm looking at it right here, actually. Yeah. So we can make a pick on it. But talk to me a little bit about... such a rush. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the Naval Academy going into 2017 and starting off their season against the 11th-ranked Hopkins Blue Jays. Right. They're coming off a great year in 2016. Uh, went to the NCAA quarters where they lost to a team in Providence, which didn't disappoint me. Um, <laughs> but they were 11-5 overall last year, 7-1 in the Patriot League. And Ricky Soule shut everybody up doing it his way again. Nice That's job, right. Rick. Uh, and so I think that they're coming into the season with a ton of momentum. You know, From offensive end, they didn't score a ton of goals last year. They averaged just under 10 goals per game, shooting just 28%, which isn't phenomenal. 36% on man up, which is... Uh, a little bit better than par, I think. Yep. Uh, they return attackman Jack Ray, 26 goals, 11 assists last year. Midfielder Grayson Terrain, who has been terrifying calls across since he came on the scene as a freshman last year. Um, and 17 goals, 7 assists. You know, the one thing that sticks out as a challenge for this team is going to be Casey Reese, right. who scored 34 goals and have three assists as a midfielder for them. I think he had five against Brown in the playoffs last year and was just a force, you know, a bomb of a shot, had the ability to really spread teams out that way, um, but could also beat poles for goals. And to lose a guy like that is going to uh, need to be addressed. You know, they're going to have to find some people probably to fill that void on the offensive end. You know, defensively, listen, Navy's as tough as they come. They were letting up just under seven and a half goals last year. They returned Chris Fennell. They returned Matt Reese. I think Casey Reese's brother, Hiram Carter. Um, you know, this is this is always a team that's unbelievably tough on the defensive end. Um, you know, they're 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 brutally tough on the ground balls. Uh, they're just not going to give up a lot of goals. It's just the way that they are. They. Have Ryan Kelly stepping in to the goal. Uh, you know, he's untested. But I think with the veteran defenseman that they have in front of him, combined with the fact that Brady Dove, their faceoff guy who won 58% last year is, and pretty much has, has dominated you know, since his arrival in Annapolis, I think that's going to allow Ryan Kelly to uh, find his footing. Uh, now, certainly starting first game at JHU, you better get your footing quickly. But I think <laughs> he's right. got you know, the support of a great face-off guy, uh, of a veteran defense. And, um, you know, I, 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 think, I think he's going to step up to the plate and, and be a huge value add. I, I don't think that he's going to end up being a weak point for this team. For me, the biggest question for them this year is how do they replace the scoring of Casey Reese at the midfield. And I think that's got to be, uh, you know, probably taken up by a few different guys. But that's my overview of Navy going into this game. They're always going to be a tough out. The game last year was incredible. I think JHU won in overtime 
um, or was it Navy? I think JHU won in overtime last year. I can't remember for sure, but I just remember looking at that game and thinking, wow, this is the first game of the year. These guys are playing really, really hard, and they looked really, really sharp. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch this game. A hundred percent. I, you know, looking at Hopkins, you know, they graduated Ryan Brown, who's arguably one of the best shooters in the country, uh, at forty-one goals. Uh, so they lose forty-one goals, but I do think, uh, and they also lost Holden Katoni uh, from last year. He scored just over twenty as uh, for him as well. But I really think looking at this team in Hopkins, you're going to see a very different, experienced, and very good Hopkins team. Yes, they do lose Ryan Brown, and that is a huge loss. But you got to look at what their attack looks like. They're more uh, more veteran group. You got Shaq Stanwicks coming back, Wilkins Dismukey coming back, um, and then you can look to Kyle Marr to probably fill that out, fill the yeah. top three uh, attack Scotty's roles. Scotty's kid, Scotty yeah. Moore, for head coach at Albany. Excuse me. I think, and and on top of all of that, you've got three attackmen, by the way, that are all left-handed that are starting. Um, Interesting, which is really cool. Which makes, which immediately makes all three of your midfielders right-handed most of the time. If you're driving from behind the ca- cage, uh, lefty, ninety percent of the time, for instance. And I know Shaq can kind of go both ways. He's pretty amazing. He's a big-time quarterback there. But if you're driving strong-handed a majority of the times from the attack position, it forces all the other players on the field to be right-handed, uh, yeah. which sets up. Uh, for Drew Sapinski, John Crowley. Um, it sets up for Joel Tinney, who's coming back in 2017, who arguably comes in as a freshman coming into there as one of the best midfielders in the country. He's 13 uh, All-American as a freshman. Um, you can expect that he's got something to prove after losing a season last year in 2016 uh, due to NCAA or team violations. I'm not really sure what happened there, and I don't want to speculate. But this is an offense that's going to put a lot of shots on cage very quickly. How are you going to match up against these six starting six guys? It's going to be very hard to do. Uh, and they've got some depth. You've got Kieran Isler, you've got Britton Vallis coming into the play as well. I mean, I remember Britton in, in high school, and he was one of the most impressive midfielders uh, in the country for his age at the time. And I would have thought he would have made a bigger impact a little faster at Hopkins. But here he is coming in now in 2017. I'd look to him as being an impact a little quicker. Defensively, you got Nick Fields, who's been uh, very solid for them during his entire career at Hopkins. You got Austin Spencer, who's going to play a, lot, a huge role at Longstick midfielder. Their huge loss this year is Pat Foley. Uh, the defenseman uh, who is out this year for academic reasons. And so you've got some opportunity for a guy like Trevor Kolsch, Kolsch, uh, Jack Rapine, the freshman, uh, and uh, Owen Colwell. Uh, Jack Rapine coming into uh, college, I mean, he looks like a 33-year-old man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's how the the Needham Needler looked when he was a sixth grader. Uh, Pat Foley originally a Carolina commit? No, no, no. He was the the story around Foley is that he was a 2015 who was going to reclass to become a 2016, and Hopkins picked him up in August of that year and was like, "No, we'll take you as a 15 immediately." And so he came right in like within three months, um, you know, just put in and then makes the USA 19 team. I mean, he was just a a freak athlete, just a freak prodigy. 
No, he's a New England guy. He's a New England guy. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so research. <laughs> so I see plus got put up on the refrigerator, Ryan. Totally fine though. At least I'll take it because I need as many C pluses as possible. Apparently, uh, to <laughs> I, beat I'm willing to bet Ryan. You've you've had a lot of C pluses <laughs> in your past. <laughs> Well, uh, you held you my transcript for that, two that, years at least. Well, it doesn't really apply to academics, Ryan. I'm thinking more <laughs> after hours C pluses. Fair, fair enough. Uh, many, many a C pluses. Sure. This is this is a team so, that's seventh in the country. <laughs> seventh in the country in EMO at 48. Uh, percent And I really think that if you look at the starting six, that only gets higher, which is scary. Uh, and they're tenth in assistant points per game. The big questions here for for Hopkins going into 2017 is the two of the biggest and most impactful positions you can have on a lacrosse team, which is a goalie and faceoff. Hunter Moreland last year, uh, the junior from Boys Latin, 59%, which is good, very good, um, but not did, not taking as many faceoffs as Craig Mataraz, who graduated and they lost. So we're going to really see a lot more of Hunter Moreland this year uh, and potentially others that might kind of fill in that role with him. But they've got a decent foundation there at the faceoff X. And going in against Navy, uh, we're going to kind of see how he's going to perform pretty quickly. Uh, but the big part, the big question mark, is who's going to start in net? And the Hopkins staff has made the decision but the information i'm getting from the players is it's legitimately going to be a game time decision wow he's walking into the game and he's saying you're going to start and the two guys he's choosing between are brock turnbar who last year went 47 percent, which is not going to get it done 11.5 goals against but he's competing against jerry logan who i know very very well uh 51 percent 12 and a half goals against but that's coming from a michigan team that he transfers from or technically takes an extra year from um but he was number four and saved per game in the ncaa last year and so that i feel like is going to be a big big you know play for for hopkins going into 2017 the quote from uh petro is what we're looking for is a guy who can give us the best chance to win a game you can you want a guy who's going to be able to lead the defense. You want a guy who's going to be able to save the ball, not just stop it. We want a guy that's going to do the right things with the ball. You want a guy that's going to be able to get you in and out of whatever defenses you're in. And if this is the case, I'm betting Jerry Logan for the starting nod in 2017. That Me is too. pure speculation. That's no, literally I'm being told it's a legitimate game time decision. Um, right. But in terms of, Against Navy, you got to weather the storm. These guys are in shape. <laughs> You're coming into a, a kids that are just naturally angry and have a chip on the shoulder. This is the funnest yeah. part of their day. And uh, right. with the Hopkins team, I feel like you're going to have to, for the for the season to be successful and for you to beat Navy, you've got to gel early. You've got a lot of power on on the offensive end. You've got the pieces of the puzzle on the defense. You've got questionable pieces, but capable pieces, both in the face-off and the goal. This could be a great uh, 2017, but this is a great test, early test for Johns Hopkins. No doubt. Next game up. We'll go here. Sorry, i got to get to my transitions here. Duke, high point. AT, talk to me about Duke. Uh, well, Duke last week 
coming off a very tough opening season loss to Air Force 11 to 10. We spoke about it and referenced Coach Saramet and his freshman goalie, Paxton Boyer. Um, you know, Duke scored 10 goals last week on 27% shooting. Justin Gutterding, 3-1. and one. Jack Bruckner, 2-1. and one. You'd expect those guys to be there statistically. Um, freshman Joey Manown had two goals. Very little midfield scoring. And, you know, you graduate Miles and you graduate Deemer class, and that's certainly a question mark coming into the season. And until they find the answers there, I think they're going to continue to struggle to score goals. Um, you know, defensively, Cade Van Rapphorst, JT Giles Harris, Brian Dunn all got the start. Danny Fowler, you know, listen, played an average game. Uh, he let up 11 goals. He only stopped 45% of the shots. That's just not going to get it done when you're shooting 27%. Right. And, you know, Air Force is no joke. I, I don't think people would look at Air Force and say that's, you know, a traditional power. But I think that people that don't really look into it, look at this game, and they don't really understand how great of a team Air Force actually is. So I don't think this loss is a bad loss to them, but it's a loss that people don't expect Duke to take, right? Yes. Uh, Kyle Rose stepped up and did exactly what we thought he would do. He won 17 of 22 face-offs, um, you know, and, uh, but the reality is they got to shoot better. I mean, if they're going to win that many face-offs, and they shoot poorly, it, 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 just, it just negates that advantage. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I think with high point, they're going to look at this result, and they're going to look at the Air Force loss, and they're going to say, you know what? We can beat them. You know, we play Air Force, and this is a team that we can beat. Now, I think if Duke had beaten Air Force, I think it would have set up better for high point to come in and potentially knock them off. Yep. Uh, you know, and while it gives the high point guys some confidence that they can beat Duke in this game, I think what what's going to happen is Duke is going to make this game about Duke and not about high point. And I think we're going to see a much better effort out of Duke in this game. And I think that that's going to create some problems for Torp and, uh, you know, his team. I'd love to see High Point knock him off. I, I really would. But I think that simply due to the wake-up call versus Air Force last week, I think that Duke is going to come in uh, with a blue-collar mentality, and you combine that with the talent that they have on the team, and I think it's going to spell trouble for High Point. So, um, you know, I'd love to see High Point win, but I think they're going to have their hands full at Duke on Friday night. Uh, you're right. And, and, you know, with the youth of Duke – and you already mentioned that, uh, you know, high points dealing with similar situation themselves. They had two of the hugest losses you could argue in any team, losing Lomas and Thistle, two yeah. of two guys that have literally carried that team for four years. Right, like um, like Duke losing Class and Jones. That's right. right. That's, that's right. right. And, uh, you know, they're looking for guys like Michael LeClaire to come in and step in, Sean Harrison, Dallas Bridal, uh, to – minimize the damage that they lose from losing uh, Lomas and Thistle, but I just don't think it's enough. Um, they don't really return almost anyone 
on the defensive end, which concerns me. And even more concerning than that is their face-off game, losing Jamie Peluso and then having, I believe, AT, and you'll know this better than me, but Alex Woodall is no longer at high point. Transferred to Towson, I believe is, he transferred to Towson, yeah. Which is a huge pickup for Towson because they needed a face-off guy desperately. Yeah. Um, but... You know, losing Jamie Peluso is a huge loss for the High Point Panthers. Yeah. Chris Young, they picked up as a transfer from Penn State. Is that enough? Um, you know, and then the last piece for the High Point Panthers is Jim uh, Tim Troutner, not um, Jim, Tim, uh, was 55% in the net. You got to figure all Duke is going to do. He's very good, though. That guy's, he's very good. He Stop. is very good, but all Duke's going to do, I feel like, all week is going to shoot. Because it's the same thing that you mentioned. Uh, they've got to shoot better. they got to shoot better. And, shoot. and that a lot of that is youth too, right? I mean, how many freshmen and young guys did they start uh, during the game against Air Force? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But I, similar to you, I, I think High Point is a team that we've got to figure out who they are this year and how they stack up amongst their own league first. But going into this Duke game, I just think that they're going to kind of get outmatched around the field athletically. Uh, and while it would probably be a lot closer of a game than most people would think a high point Duke game would be, I think that Duke ends up winning this game purely on high point trying to figure out. And it'll take up about a month, you know, a good four or so games to figure out who they are at every single position across the board. Yeah, I think, I think, I think the key to this game. I think that the problem for High Point in this game, more so than anything else, is going to be the fact that Kyle Rowe is going to dominate Correct. them. And and that, you know, if Kyle, if, if Duke didn't have that distinct advantage coming into this game and we thought the face-offs would be closer to 50-50, you know, I could see High Point knocking them off potentially. But I just, I just think, I don't think you can lose three of every four face-offs and expect to beat a team that, you know, let's face it, is more talented and deeper than you when they're coming off a disappointing loss in their eyes and they're playing, you know, at their place at night. Duke's going to be ready to play in this game. That's for sure. They will. And it'll be, I also think that in terms of the SOCON, you're looking at an Air Force team that might roll through the SOCON yeah, big time. No question. Uh, no there's question. a massive difference between those teams. Next up, Villanova. Monmouth, talk to me about Villanova going into 2017 season. Yeah, uh, Villanova, listen, I, I referenced Mike Corrado and his staff You know, a few minutes ago. I think they're one of the best coaching staffs out there. Uh, they're coming off a 2016 season where they finished 9-5 and five overall, 4-1, and one in the Big East. The problem for this team is that they seem to peak in March, um, you know, playing at a very, very high level. They pounded Penn, who, you know, again, it was a very good team. And then they got pounded by Brown, and that just seemed to, the wheels just sort of came off at that point. So I, I think if they can peak at the right time, this is a team that could be very, very scary um, at the end of the year. You know, last year they scored over 13 and a half goals per game. That's a lot of goals, yep. right? Shooting 29%. They returned first team All-American candidate Jake Fricaro, attack midfielder. 40 goals, 15 assists. He's as good an offensive player as there is in the country. No question. I'd put him right up there with Pat Spencer, Dylan Malloy, Connor Carazero. He's that level of a player. I'd compliment him on attack. Devin McNamara, 30 goals, 19 assists. Uh, and then Jake's little brother, Joey Fricaro, midfielder, was 19 and 12 last year and so those are the three big guns for them offensively they also returned some others that statistically aren't far behind 
The defense was letting up a little over 10 and a half goals a game. Uh, and they returned 2016 starters Dan Sweeney, Owen Hughes. And in the goal, this is a question mark for me. Um, you know, they returned starters who split time. Nick Testa started six games last year, let up over 13 goals a game, saved the ball just 43% of the time. And Dan Willis had eight starts, uh, only let up nine and a half goals a game and saved the ball at 50%. So I would say expect Dan Willis to be the starter. Um, but if he doesn't get it done, these guys are not going to hesitate to put Nick Testa in. There's no question about that. Uh, the last piece to this team is the face-off backs. They returned one of the very best guys in the country in Luke Palmadesso. Won 59% of his face-offs last year. And if he's able to you know, repeat that level of success, that will take a little bit of pressure off the goaltenders, but they're going to have to get some goaltending in order to um, you know, have the season that they're capable of and want to have in 2017. I think regardless of the play that they get in the goal, I think they're going to be able to handle Mammoth at home at 12 noon on Saturday. Um, so I look, I look to see Villanova win this game fairly easily. Similar to High Point, Mammoth is a lot of unknowns. Uh, again, their third season, I believe fourth season coming in uh, to this year. Uh, it's just, you just don't know what you're going to get. They do have nine returning starters this year. Uh, but how about this for a stat, AT? Monmouth last year in 2016 was one and six at home, at home and six and oh away. Wow. It's like the exact opposite of what you would think a team would be. Uh, but they were six and oh, undefeated away, one and six at home. You got to think Brian Fisher is going to want to improve on that um, sure. in 2017. At least. Fisher's done a good job. There, he man. has you done know? a good job. He has. But again, when you look at the game between, and first off, I can't believe both of Ficaros are back, and I can't believe Palmadesso is, uh, is back. Um, Villanova sets up to have a great year in 2017. Monmouth is still trying to figure out uh, who they are as a program, uh, still trying to figure out their recruiting style and all those kinds of things that, are, that a new program um, has to do. But they're competing. Um, and it's, that's, that's to be uh, commendable to uh, Brian Fisher uh, and what he's done and his staff and, and Andrew Gason and uh, uh, the rest of the staff at Monmouth. I think that going into this, though, uh, again, I, I just don't see Monmouth competing with Paul Modesto at the faceoff X. No. I don't see Monmouth, even though Andrew Grajewski is, is leading the way for the defense on, uh, for Monmouth, I don't see anyone stopping either of the Fricaros, especially no now that Joey is a year older. Because uh, Joey, right. by the way, um, was always touted as going to be better than Jake. Uh, right. And it's only a matter of time. And in terms of, you know, Villanova's defense and their goalie, as you've already mentioned, I just don't see enough power on the offensive end at Monmouth no. uh, to get it done uh, this Saturday. So uh, when we look at this, uh, we're just simply looking at what these teams are going to be. Um, and again, when you look at High Point and Monmouth, you combine them both. They're going to need an identity. And the only identity we're going to figure that out is within the first four games of the season. You're right. You're right. The question is going to be, is this the game that Jake Fukaro scores 10 goals? Really, <laughs> doesn't he score like 10 goals for Princeton? And he scored 10 goals for Villanova. Which game is Jake Fukaro going to score 10 goals in in 2017? Mm -hmm. Is it Mammoth? I think the guys at Lax, our friends at Lax Vegas Lines should come up with, you know, the odds on how long it takes Jake Fukaro to have a 10-goal game. <laughs> 
because you know it's going to happen. And it may just happen this weekend against Monmouth. It may just happen. We're going to take a quick break again. When we come back, Towers AT is going to give his IYF top 20. Uh, maximize your comfort. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. <laughs> IYF top 20 give it to us AT alright this week RD number one North Carolina Tar Heels Joe Bresh number two Loyola Greyhounds number three Denver number four Maryland number five Notre Dame number six JHU number seven the Brown Bears take that Quint they're not 18 kids <laughs> number eight Yale Eli's Andy Shea, the pizza still sucks. Number nine, Penn Quakers. Look wow. Look for them to explode. The Penn Quakers, number up. nine, they're yes. not even in any other rankings. Listen, you're gonna, we're going to be reading about them. That team is going to be scary. Number 10, Syracuse. Number 11, off the heels of a great win versus Duke, Air Force. Wow. Number 12, taking on JHU tonight, Navy. Number 13, Towson, number 14, Gerard Arceri in his eight-second goal of <laughs> the season. Penn State, Keeper's Kids, seven Gs. Number 15, Marquette. Number 16, Lars Tiffany. It's never too early to get up in the morning and do tons of jumping jacks. <laughs> Virginia, 16. Number 17, Duke. Number 18, Scotty Marr in Albany. Number 19, Mike Corrado Villanova. And number 20, Rutgers, I'll do five also receiving votes in order. Army, unofficially 21. Ohio State, unofficially 22. Bucknell, unofficially number 23. Fairfield, unofficially number 24. And Bryant, unofficially number 25. That's it. Who submitted the votes to make those unofficial 21 to 25? I did, and Frank <laughs> Towers and some local uh, neighborhood kids. <laughs> That's all for the show today. As always, check us out at In Your Face Lax, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's all up there. Maximize your comfort. We'll be back tomorrow with another show.